Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. The Incomparable, number 656, March 2023. Welcome back, everybody, to The Incomparable. I'm your host, Jason Snell, and we are reaching the end of a long journey here. As many of you know, one of my favorite TV shows, okay, my favorite TV show of all time, Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Seven seasons, we decided to not just do one episode about Buffy, but one per season. And now here we are, it's season seven. It is the end. And we're going to talk about the last season of Buffy the Vampire Slayer uh, with our little uh, Buffy club that we've grown out over the years. Gene McDonald is here. Hello. Hello. I'm very happy to be in the Buffy Club, and and uh, I'm very honored that you let me die for this cause. Uh, I appreciate it. I should have said something about how I'm calling all the potential slayers now. Uh, Aline Sims, hello. <laughs> I'm Team Spike, I think. All right. Fair enough. Maddie Cox is here. Hello. Hey, how's it going? It's good to have you here. Um, Steve Lutz, who is technically also the slayer because I died briefly, um, or I got really <laughs> bored, one of those. Uh, hi, Steve. Run, Jason. Hide your babies and your beadwork. <laughs> <laughs> Me not troll. Uh, and Quinn Rose is here. Hello. Hi, Jason. It's important to remember that podcasting is about power. Mm, it's about power. The mission is the thing. Mm. So let me set the stage here. Uh they they you know as as so many tv series do they have actors under affordable contracts until about the seventh season uh, before the seventh season began entertainment weekly ran a big cover story with sarah michelle geller saying uh this is it which i think perhaps took i'm not sure took everybody by surprise but uh they weren't going to do it without her and she said this was it so that was it joss whedon was off making firefly um, a bunch of the other writers were off making Angel <laughs> and uh, Marty Noxon and a group of people who remained uh, soldiered on to fulfill the contractual obligations of the 22 episode order from UPN uh, to to uh, uh, am I giving anything away about how I feel Wait, about this are, season? Are we on UPN? <laughs> are we on UPN last season? Yeah, or it was, was on UPN. CW last this, season. It was okay. on UPN the, for the season six and season seven. So this is like okay. they they they, they got to close it out. A lot of the people have already gone. So um, we're already just there mainly to fill uh, some time on the network schedule. <laughs> I I think so. And then and then halfway through the season, of course, Firefly got canned, and so a bunch of people like came back and got a little bit of work on Buffy to shepherd it the rest of the way. Um, so this is the, if you're, if you're saying to yourself, okay, this is the last season. I remember that. Uh, who's the big bad in this one? Well, uh, the, the big bad is the first evil who appeared in an episode that I very strongly denigrated back when we covered season three. I want to say there's that Christmas episode where an invisible amorphous, dumb enemy, a, tries to fool angel at christmas time um oh god i remember that now yeah i, I don't it remember up. it well it's a wow. it's a it's one of the worst if not the worst episodes of buffy great. and yeah. and so the Is producers the one where it snows at the end and they they're yes they feel oh it's Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's uh, called amends. Amends is the name. Yeah, it's bad. Uh, so they they were like, let's make that 
not a character with not a presence, the big bad of season seven. And so it is, it's the first evil. It appears in the guise of various uh, uh, people who are on the show or were on the show who died so that they can bring them back and, and uh, have them cameo as uh, it's a memory. It's like, Oh, it's Jenny calendar, but no, it's the first evil. Uh, and then of course, as the season progresses, the first evil has a big plan to take bodily form. It's going to reopen the Hellmouth. It's going to brew up a bunch of Uber vamps, which are like Urukai because Lord of the Rings came out of, uh, and everybody was into that. Um, so they, they made the, the Uber vamps, um, and there's, in fact, a scene in the last episode where they are running around in a group. And I'm like, well, wow, the Lord of the Rings envy is strong here. Mm. <laughs> um, and uh, also there's a, a preacher named Caleb who runs them for a while. He's got Eventually. a, he's got yeah. a homey accent. Well, Nathan Fillion was only put in there because Firefly got canceled. So they're like, yeah, we'll give Nathan Fillion something to do. But what I'm saying is, at least for me, um, I, I think this is an interesting season because um the story just kind of goes throughout the season. In some ways it is the most just sort of dedicated to its story arc of any season. And in that way it feels kind of modern. Um, but they chose, I would say a really dumb villain who, who never really, I mean, if, if the idea is that the villain is inside you and the villain, I don't, I don't know. Um, so I, I find this a, a not bad, but forgettable season with a few interesting high points here and there. Um, I, I guess we're just going to get our feelings out now. How did everybody else feel about <laughs> season seven watching it this time? So I remember a couple of years ago when we really got into streaming services, dropping like 11, 12, 13 episode seasons. And I, Jason, I remember you talking about how you thought it was like the way of the future yeah. and it was a good choice and blah, blah, blah. I think, uh, I think season seven is bu of Buffy is an argument to support you because oh. um it goes on i think it would have been okay but it's just so long 22 and drawn episodes out. 22 of episodes one, of, of one of kind one of arc. story yeah yeah and it's just like yeah we we get it you've done the story over and over and over again and it just kind of it just kind of drags uh <laughs> is if they had split it into two seasons where or not two seasons but like two arcs where maybe the first half of it they're off doing whatever having a good time i don't know living a good life and then all, all falls apart <laughs> again or like whatever i think it would have been better but but it just it's the well, same thing over and over and over again and in in the big bad is not the big bad it's just the big weight and it, <laughs> I just, well you need um you you need to space it out so that you can have all of those inevitable highlight episodes that feature characters one last time to give them their last bow before the show closes, right? Because there's a bunch of those episodes in here, too, where it's like, ah, now the Anya episode, you know, we finally get the mm -hmm. Anya episode. And, and there's there's a lot of that in, in mixed in here, too, along with everything else. Yeah, I feel really similarly when what I think is going to be a pretty popular opinion is watching this. I feel like the beginning of the season really had some promise. Mm -hmm. I liked what they were setting up. The first appearance of the first is actually like pretty affecting. It's very creepy. It's yes. all these characters that are dead and we don't know what's going on. Like that's so interesting. And then it just doesn't really 
uh, uh, deliver on that promise. But I feel the entire time watching it, I felt the same way. I just feel like it drags on and on. And I think that this could be a pretty good 10 hours of television with if they condensed it and made some basic edits. But instead, mm. it's just like 22 hours of television that just keep going with, you know, things that I like in it. But it's just mixed in with like, where are we going with this? There's just you're trying to fill too much time and you don't have enough to fill it. Yeah, so to your point, Jason, about the sort of more modern nature of this being, you know, one long story, uh, to some extent, I agree with that. I think the story episodes, I think there are more of them than there usually are in an average Buffy season. Yeah. Um, but also, I think it seems more like that than previous seasons because they took all the Monster of the Week episodes and they front loaded them. So the first mm. six episodes are all Monster of the Weeks. Um, you know, you've got the the magic jacket on the uh, the star quarterback, quarterback right. and you got Abraham Ben Ruby as the troll. I love me some Abraham Ben <laughs> that's Ruby. Right, that's the Anya episode. Yeah, <laughs> it's it's all. I mean, there's there's little dribs and drabs of of the the ongoing story, but it doesn't get started until uh, conversations with the dead people. That's episode right. seven, and so I think. There are maybe slightly fewer standalone Monster of the Week episodes than usual, but also they're all over at the beginning, and then they get they get into the story, and I think that's what makes it drag because there have been long through lines in past seasons. It's just they usually split them up with the occasional, mm. uh, you know, side episode like Double Meat Palace and uh, you know other great <laughs> ones like that. I, uh, I uh, yeah, pro again. I think we we were more pro Double Meat Palace than anybody else in the world. So yeah, it, well, those people are wrong. <laughs> I guess I have the most unpopular opinion then because i kind of like this season all right uh, mm. i agree with i agree with a lot of what you're saying in that the first evil kind of just stands around and waits until there's something to do um but ultimately i always go into the season having forgotten everything and i think that's why i enjoy watching it again <laughs> um <laughs> because it, it's not very memorable but i have fun i don't know it's uh, the the season of Buffy speeches. I guess I like that yes. a lot. <laughs> um, yeah, I was thinking last night I was watching End of Days and I was thinking in my head it should really be named uh, Days speeches for days because that's, <laughs> that's just or endless well, speeches or something because it's just speech after speech after I mean, speech. You can see the themes that they've got here. And I, I do think that there's a pivot in the middle somewhere, too, because the beginning it's almost like, and I wonder, I don't remember the timing of this, but I wonder if they were unclear if this was the last season or not at the very beginning. Because at the beginning, it's almost like Sunnydale High, the next generation, right? Yes. And, and, mm-hmm. and that yep. allows you to play on your season one memories. And, and then we're going back to the new Sunnydale High, which is opened after it was destroyed at the at the end of season four. Uh, season four, season three, season three. Yeah, season three. Yeah, see, I think I like the nostalgia factor. I think that's what brings me into liking it. Well, yeah, and that's. I think the one good thing about the first is that you get things like you get to see Joyce again, and you get the the rogues gallery of villains yeah, get, that they run through, and that and you first get Jenny Calendar is, again, and um, which yeah, is great for a last season. I mean, it's like, oh yeah, I remember her. That was all. That was also the backstory, mm. and I believe the conversations with dead people. It's actually one of the most painful things about watching it is the whole plan was to have Tara in it. Yeah, and then and then uh, the actress was like, uh, I think unhappy having been written out of the show was like no i'm not gonna i'm not coming back that's not gonna happen and so although if she had come back i think i like i don't think i would survive watching that episode so maybe that's for the best (laughs) (laughs) maybe so but it is it is weird and i wonder i wonder how the story maybe changed it when they when they knew for sure that this was the end if they didn't know that going in because that new sunnydale high stuff it is interesting and whether it's just a head fake or whether they really thought they were leaving that open having buffy 
I mean, this is a the whole purpose of the. Well, okay, there's lots of themes here. One of them is Buffy's grown up, right? This is the end of her show, and we want to show that she's she's grown up. She, you know, at the end, Giles uh, is is basically giving her like the thumbs up on her making all the decisions, right? That that relationship has really changed over the course of time. And we see that here. She's the mom for Dawn going off to Sunnydale Hive. She worries about having mom hair. Um, there is, you know, we get those moments in the high school where we're taking it back, taking back to like the past and saying, oh, wow, it is really like this has been handed off to a next generation because our, our people are all grown up now. You know, Xander's got his construction thing that he's doing and Willow is doing, you know, witch rehab in England. And, uh, and it even and, seems in that first episode like they're maybe forming a new Scooby gang with Dawn involved. Right. That You got the couple of the misfits that sort of walk off at the in end. A, from oh, the man, basement. Cool. Yeah. yeah. And it's the first season with a cell phone. <laughs> and the cell phones come in, which is what was I, that is one of my favorite moments uh, when I was watching the show originally because it was that moment where they're all like, "Yeah, we know that this made our plots easier, but now we're going to have cell phones so we can actually call each other." Um, although, of course, people like leave their cell phone, but where, where's Buffy? She left her cell phone behind and is patrolling. It's like, well, you know, it, it was necessary for the plot, <laughs> not, to, sure. not, not to reach her there. But we get um, so. Sp- so um, as, as we left this show last season, uh, well, I, I did want to say, first of all, that I don't necessarily disagree with with Maddie liking this season. I actually thought it was OK. It wasn't I, I wouldn't call it great, but I, I enjoyed bits and pieces of mm-hmm. it. Um I really enjoyed those first six episodes because it felt to me like, you know what, they're trying to return to form a little bit. They've, yeah. they've deliberately pulled back from the darkness that was season six. For sure. Um, they're trying to kind of get back to their roots where they're, you know, the, the gang is off fighting monsters. And, um, and and where it kind of went downhill for me was where it got into the, you know, the, the long story. And, and of course, I agree with you that the first, um, the biggest problem I got with the first is that its primary power seems to be to confuse people and make them think that they're going to betray each other. And I, I hate to tell you this, but the last four seasons of Buffy that's been going on with or without the first. So <laughs> what is the point of view exactly? Yeah. Um, and, and in fact, when Caleb ends up showing up, it's like a breath of fresh air. It's like, Oh, a real villain. Yeah. Wow. I wish yeah. he'd been around for another, you know, 10 episodes. Yeah. And his introduction oh, to no. stretch out a bit. His no. Intru- oh, no. no. <laughs> I don't, yeah, I, I don't, I don't love it, but his introduction is pretty great. Right. Where it's like, Oh, he's off, but he's so awful it's wonderful and awful <laughs> the priest it's like oh poor little girl I'll, I'll save you i'm just a homespun little priest driving his pickup truck and, and by the end of that conversation he's like he's like stabbed her and thrown her out the door it's like oh my god um it, it is true that he makes a more compelling villain than just like a ghost yeah but also he's the worst man in the world and i hate watching him That's I genuinely, it's he's so, really hard. no it's not it's so uncomfortable it's, to watch it's yeah, really painful it's cringy it's it's super cringy, but, and also I just have to throw in like that Southern accent, like I'm glad he wasn't in it for more episodes because <laughs> it was the stupidest, like generic, you know, cornball accent. And I was like, did it have to, did he have to be Southern? Like, I don't know why, you know, like whatever, but anyway, but I, you know, to, to echo Quinn and um, to say like you, that, that character was, was terrible in a not a, a super villain way but a creepy you know misogynist way that it's just you couldn't watch that all season long 
I feel like if they hadn't had to concentrate it all into the few episodes that he was in, that maybe they could have fleshed him out a little bit and made I it don't less. know. Like, <laughs> There's also the contrast was... with the first, right? Because the first is so amorphous and empty and nothing. And Ooga Booga, oh, I'm undermining you. Ooh. Uh, that when Caleb comes <laughs> but on, it's like. nothing is beneath me. At least, at least this, yeah, at least this guy is um, uh, like a bad guy who we can get our, he's tangible, right? Like that, I will, that's what I will say for, for Caleb. I always just thought it was funny because it's obviously it's the Nathan Fillion employment plan at work here, but. I can't even say it's a product of its time. Like it's just, the misogyny is so bad. And I know I, I've, I'm fully aware that that's part of the point, right? Is is it's supposed to be subversive or whatever, but it, it just, it, I don't think it worked then, although I didn't watch it as it was airing and it definitely, definitely does not work now. It's just so, so bad. They could have done a lot of things with that character to make him equally evil and make us not root for him in any way, shape or form. And I just, cannot get behind the blatant misogyny. And I get that the point was, oh, well, he's going to be defeated by Buffy and her group of, of young women and girls. And, you know, like, I know that was part of the point, but it it just does not work. It's so hard to watch. Yeah, uh, I, I will grant you that. But also, he's a bad guy. Right. I mean, he's bad. And I can understand it's uncomfortable to watch a person do terrible things. But and that's hard for entertainment purposes. But that was. Yeah. Thematically, that's what they were going for, is that he's no, an awful, I, awful I get it. I, person. But mm. <laughs> some yep. of it felt gratuitous. I'm yeah. Gonna say. It, it yeah. Felt I, like... I agree with that word. Yeah. Something gratuitous and Buffy. What the hell <laughs> you say? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I I was looking forward to seeing him because I remembered, of course, that he was in the season, and I thought, God, we're taking a really long time to get to the part where Nathan Fillion comes in, and then I was like, okay, that's about all I need of him, and you know, please, you know, please dispatch him yeah. with a lot of you know gusto. Um, I, which I, I did. I don't. Yeah, I mean, I don't love. I don't love that character, um, but. The first is the one that really has my ire because it's just, it's just nothing. It's got to, I mean, and I think the writers knew it too, because at the end there, there's a line, I think from Buffy where it's like, you just, you've you got a dumb name and you don't do anything. And I, and, and then she's like, and I'm going <laughs> to, mm-hmm. and I'm going to defeat you. And, I, and I'm sitting there thinking, yeah, all of this is true. You've got a dumb name. You're not anything um, other than there's an evil out there working against us. No, literally it's just an amorphous evil working against us. And, uh, it's, I think, I think that's actually the biggest flaw with the season because I think a lot of the details of the season are fun. I think the idea that they're going to question the fundamental premise of the show itself and say, we're Mm -hmm. going, there's this concept that, um, that, of the potential Slayer, which I think we've never heard about before, although I guess it's implied a little bit with Kendra that she got trained before she was called. So this idea that there are potential Slayers out there, and they they take that and run with it where the bad, the forces of evil are trying to kill all of them so that there will be no Slayers left after they kill Buffy and Faith. And the, 
and then they get uplifted and become, they fulfill their potential and we get a, a Slayer army at the end, which is a beautiful, I think, kind of way to end this story where Buffy is no longer, you know, alone uh, fighting against the darkness. She's got all these girls all over the world who have the power as well. I think that, I think that's all kind of fun and interesting and beautiful. And we see them as adults uh, trying to make their way in the world. And, you know, obviously t- Anthony Stewart had his sort of, you know, in and out <laughs> recurring, which is, always makes me sad because I love Giles yes. so much. But like, yeah. there's a lot. Yeah, there, there are points in the season where I, here. I actually took a note like in between episodes and said, something feels like it's missing here. And I think it's Giles. Yes. Yeah. It, it mm-hmm. leaves a huge hole when he's not in an episode yeah. or two. What, what was he busy doing or could they just not afford him? I, I, England, think, right? I think he had felt like he had been in L.A. too long and he wanted to go back to England. So he he stepped back to recurring basically and said, I'll do eight or whatever, but I, I can't do 22. I don't want to do that anymore. I think that I think that was the, the bottom line of it. I don't think there were even any hard feelings or, or other other work. He just didn't want to be away from his family. Um, for those, yeah, after five years of doing that, um, I also mm-hmm. say that it, that um, part of that whole thing with subverting the whole premise of one girl in the world and all of that is that delightful moment where the the jerk who's the head of the Watchers Council gives his big Shakespearean pep talk, and then their yeah. building blows up, and then blows up, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> where it's like, well, they're gone, they're gone. They're, yeah, first I was like, ooh, Harris Eulen comes back, yeah. but then it was like, Boom. not for long. Mm. Yes. Well, but, we got to see our whole cavalcade of characters that were in previous seasons. <laughs> yeah, and then, they, and then they kill them all. And then this idea that like the whole, everything about this world of the show is gone now. Like we wiped that clean and now we're going to do something completely different with Slayers and then Buffy gets to kind of take the lead on their plan to do this. That That's all That's all fun. I, yeah, it's weird. Um, I th- That's why I say I think the first is kind of my, my problem with it. I almost feel like this idea of the big bad that had worked so well early in the series kind of got in the head of the writers and they kept trying to outdo themselves with the big bad and and with diminishing returns sure. um mm-hmm. and, and and this one is the most diminished i would say of all I, I guess you could say it's bold to make evil itself the villain in the last season of of buffy but in the end it's 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 not evil itself it's this weird being that can't manifest who's brewing up a bunch of you know urukai essentially sorry yeah. uber vamps <laughs> under the well, hellmouth and that, uber that's, vamps and three's company like misunderstandings don't forget about those yeah yeah oh yeah yeah that the first is a drag and then i would say the the other couple of things that are that are issues for this season for me is your explanation of the way this season went down actually makes a lot of sense because it kind of feels like it it sort of jibes to and fro throughout the season like they're not really sure how they're going to get to the end and um when the end finally comes like the the whole the whole denouement with the the multiple slayers and the deus ex magica that goes on um i think is great but it kind of comes out of nowhere and it feels like you know they should have they should have really sort of built up to it oh, better. I haven't and even s- mentioned the amulet yet, but I have to mention oh, that because this oh, is what God. struck me this time. Stru- <laughs> and I, I, I think watching Buffy and Angel on different nights on different networks, and there, there was the amulet planted on Angel, and and it, and Angel has to agree to basically a deal with the devil in order to get this powerful item that's going to save the world or whatever. Um, and and so in the context of that, I'm like, oh wow, it's related to Buffy. And then they do the fu- Buffy finale, and the and the amulet comes, and you're like, oh, it's Angel and the amulet from the last episode. But l- watching it from 20 years distance, 
It's terrible. It's yeah. literally, <laughs> even if you watch Angel, it's just an unexplained Deus Ex Machina that appears in a bobble. It's a, it's a, it's a, uh, a, a, just a, this, this pointless kind of object that's going to be, it's not even a MacGuffin, but it's kind of like a MacGuffin. And then here, it's literally like at the beginning of the episode, Angel just hands this thing to Buffy and is like, special delivery. This will solve your problem. Bye. And like, <laughs> it's, yeah. it's not explained. It's not earned. Um, it leads to a nice moment with Spike, which I like. I like when he says, I can feel my soul. Um, I think that's really great. But like, yeah. it, it, it comes from nowhere. And if you're like, well, I didn't see that Angel episode. I'm sure they explained it really good over there. No, it's never explained. <laughs> it saves the day at the end. It's the thing that saves the day. It's so frustrating. I don't know and, what they were doing. I don't think doing. the death of Spike is particularly well set up either. It's kind of, yeah. I mean, they're, they're, they're doing stuff with him throughout the season, but there's there's not a whole lot of there there when it actually happens, I think. That, I think that he's in a holding moving. pattern for a long time. Yeah, exactly. All right, let me take a brief break and tell you about our sponsor. This episode of The Incomparable is brought to you by ExpressVPN. You've heard me talk about how important it is to have a VPN to protect your online privacy. Choosing the VPN you trust is equally as important. There are tons of providers out there. I have been using ExpressVPN, and we have them as a sponsor. They're very good. Here's why. Um, Number one, they don't log your activity online. Some VPNs might make money by selling your data to advertisers. ExpressVPN doesn't do this. They created a technology called Trusted Server that makes their VPN servers incapable of storing any data at all. Also, speed. ExpressVPN uses Lightway, a new VPN protocol they engineered to make user speeds faster than ever because sometimes VPNs slow your connection down. ExpressVPN is always blazing fast and streams videos in HD quality with no buffering. The final thing that sets ExpressVPN apart is how easy it is to use. No technical skills required. You download the app, you fire it up, tap one button. That's it. You're connected. Uh, I recently spent uh, two weeks in another country and I wanted to watch at the end of the day when we were very tired from exploring New Zealand. Uh, I wanted to watch some stuff on uh, HBO Max and Paramount Plus and other things that I subscribe to here in the U.S. that are not available in New Zealand. And uh, you know what I did? Use ExpressVPN. And they're not kidding. I did one tap and I was connected as if I was back in the U.S. And then I open those apps and they open and then I stream video from them and they stream video in HD quality and I download things to watch on the plane coming home and they download at the full speed just as if I was here in the U.S. So couldn't be easier. No problems connecting. No problems watching HD video via VPN from another country. Uh, Couldn't be easier. Uh, So you should definitely check it out. And also there's some good news. CNET, The Verge, Business Insider, and many other tech journals also rate ExpressVPN the top VPN in the world. So protect yourself with a VPN that I just used on a two-week trip and it worked great and I trust it. Um, ExpressVPN.com slash Snell, my last name is where you want to go today. You'll get an extra three months free on a one-year package. That's E-X-P-R-E-S-S VPN.com slash S-N-E-L-L. Visit ExpressVPN.com slash Snell to learn more. Thank you, ExpressVPN, for letting me watch HBO Max in New Zealand and for your support of The Incomparable. The whole thing 
thing with the amulet also is like, did any, did we need to do any of this fighting? Like all of the stuff with the potential oh, slayers yeah. and, and getting mm-hmm. called to be full slayers at the end is so good. It gets me every time that little girl mm-hmm. up to the baseball bat. But this like, but then like Spike just explodes and kills everybody. So it's like, did we, why, it would have been so easy. Even if you want to have the stupid MacGuffin thing, whatever, why not set it up? So it's like, oh, we have to like fight to get to this like center of the magical power or whatever. Like we have to get and this magical device there. Like all you, gets, yeah, yeah. all you have to do is set it up so their fighting actually matters. As far as we no. can tell, all Spike had to do was go downstairs and blow himself <laughs> up, and yeah, that would have right. done everything. Yep, yep, yep. <laughs> well, then they, right. they introduced the, uh, the 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 bad axe that she gets like, <laughs> in one episode, yeah, and like, like two episodes later, she's got it. You know, <laughs> it's, it's something yeah. that they could, if they had been able to plan things out a little better, I feel like they could have introduced much earlier. And made it a thing, but instead it's just like, oh, here's another MacGuffin, and now she's got the, the second MacGuffin, and yeah, then Angel shows up with the amulet. So yeah, it's, it's yeah, it's it's it, yeah. just it's disappointing, and I it like, feels I, like it was I, poorly planned. I, I think, mentioned the Lord of the Rings thing, but I do think that that is part of it is that like we want to blow it out, so we're gonna have that scene where they look down in the pit, and there's a whole bunch of 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 uh, of Uber vampire running around, <laughs> and like uh, you know, it's it's sort of it's sort of spectacular for the TV of the period for them to do that and for them to say, we're going to do this Lord of the Rings thing. But it also reminds me and that big fight that they have that I got to be honest, most of the fights on Buffy are boring. They're because oh, yeah. they're because there's they're on, so many this season because they're on a TV budget, and it's, so it's like, well, let's give the people what they want, punchy, 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 and and so this what is supposed <laughs> to be an emotional climax in that last episode really is just twenty punchy punchies happening at once, and it's <laughs> like I kind of, I mean, there are moments in there that I care about. I also laugh because it's like Buffy gets stabbed through and she lays down, and nobody does anything except Faith Fairy slowly goes over to her and looks at her and takes the thing, and it's like. Where where is everybody else? Like, is there a rule or something of like, no? If somebody falls <laughs> down, just leave them there, and nobody try to attack them. Um, it's not logical. It's silly, and it and it is kind of boring. And 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 Spike making a personal decision and a sacrifice that's the good stuff or people sacrificing themselves to get him to a destination that's the good stuff but there is a lot of just sort of like well you know there's got to be fights with lots of stuff we hired a lot of stunt people that kind of thing and it's too bad and it feels like there's nothing but fights in this this season i mean it's just constant and they're just they're all so boring it's like we've seen this a million times it's it's there's a lot of things in this season that are tedious i think we could you know well, we've we can well, that, that ten wait hour a lot edit. Of them. It keeps coming back to me. The ten <laughs> hour yeah. edit of this. Yeah, because the one of the th- I find like I love the idea of the potential slayers and the yeah. the, the twist of t- turning them all, activating them at the end. But throughout, you know, as soon as they start showing up at Buffy's house, I feel like I'm in this like this bad movie like endless slumber party where <laughs> all I want is my own bathroom again. Like I've like seen them all camped out over around Buffy's house or Xandra's apartment. And, and there's too many of them. Like that is really, I mean, the, the idea is there should be a big army of potential slayers, but to try to have them all as individual characters. Oh yeah. Um, just, mm-hmm. it's just like overwhelming. And it's like, and I honestly start root, root, sorry, rooting for the first 
Like when they start <laughs> bumping off some of clear the this potentials. Got to clear out some <laughs> of these potentials. Well, I remember <laughs> when, when Felicia Day became famous, mm-hmm. pe- some people were like, oh, she played Vi on Buffy. And I'm like, I have Who? no idea. That's my favorite <laughs> TV show of all time. I have no idea what you're talking about. So I, I watched the season and I see Felicia Day and I'm like, well, that's why is I always thought of her as one of the seven potential slayers who are hanging around along with Millie from Freaks and Geeks. Millie oh, yeah. from Freaks Who's and just Geeks. Millie, by the way, which is I think is great. Yeah. She's no different from her character no. in Freaks and Geeks in any way. Yeah. Well, this is only yeah. what a couple years later. I mean, it's it's yeah, she's exactly the same. Well, it's uh, like thirty years, uh, 20, 30 years later from uh, you know when she was in high school. Oh, so. from the seventies. Sure, she aged well. <laughs> sure, but Freaks and Geeks was ninety nine, so it's it's only a couple years later, three yes. years later. But I, it's just, I mean, that yeah. was my favorite episode with when when Millie, uh, whose name I forget, Amanda um, character. Is finds out she's a potential because when I when she shows up right. in that counseling episode, I'm like, oh, that's interesting. They have this actress and she's still, you know, she's doing the same thing but doing and, good. And then and, see her. And that's the episode where Dawn, where Dawn thinks she's a potential because the, Dawn, the, the glowing cloud of, passes through her, and then and then yeah. Millie or whatever her name is is on the other side of the well, door. Uh, right. Those yeah. locator spells are just notoriously crap. You know, inaccurate. Mm-hmm. And so- well, Willow, you know, she doesn't use the full power anymore. She's doing the lower rent ones now. So right. she isn't corrupted and be- doesn't become evil. Well, I sure hope when she does have to cast a giant spell that something terrible doesn't happen. There's some kind of conflict or thing of interest mm. that you know, might make you think that there's a, an issue with casting a giant spell. Mm. I did Instead, like... It's like a, it's barely an inconvenience. I did like that Kennedy, <laughs> that Kennedy, who is Willow's girlfriend, who is I was never interested in that character, but um, that that she's she's there to kill Willow. Willow Willow's eyes turn black. Basically, um, mm-hmm. I thought that was a that was a nice little little very short character bit, and I like that her hair turns white and she glows and is happy. And I thought that was a funny a funny twist that in the end. It's like oh, Lord of the Lord of the yeah, Rings. Right. There it's too. Willow the White yep. at that yep. point. Yep. Yeah. Sure. Yeah, that was nifty. Yeah, that was that was a nice little you know playing on our expectations and worrying about Willow turning evil and all that. Yeah, the 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 potentials, like you know, yeah, there is like the structure here of like Dawn and the people at the high school, and the, now they're 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 got to train the new Slayer army, and this is going to be. It's almost like are they setting up for like after Buffy here a little bit, where they're like, <laughs> what if the? And I think no, I think what they're really doing is is demolishing the show's premise and going to all sorts of places that they could never repair if there was a season eight. And so they're like, let's just flip the table over and, and do all this kind of wild stuff. But, but yeah, it's, it's, I think we've said tedious. Uh, we've said, cause I don't think, I, I, I don't think this is the worst season. Cause I think season six is the worst season. Mm. I, 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 I feel like, I feel like this season is okay, but it's got a bad villain. It it, it goes on too long. Um, it it like there's and it's so forgettable. And like like there was a question in our our Slack group when we were planning for this, where it was like, are there episodes I should focus on? And I was like, geez, the last one. Um, and and then honestly, <laughs> even going through them, um, I mean, conversations with dead people is like one of those high concept episodes, but it's compared to the other ones that this show has done. It's not that good. It's right. okay. Um, the I mean, the, honestly, there have been sort of semi mediocre seasons in the last few. Sure, but there was always some sort of at least you know one or two really high points. Right, that made you sort of forget some of the mediocrity that was around it. And there just there isn't anything here. 
Um, yeah. And another issue I have with it, too, is it feels like the tone is a little off, like still. Not as off as it was last season, for sure. But I don't know. It feels like they couldn't really come up with anything for Xander to do. Anya is barely in it, except for the one episode where she's, you know, she gets her own episode. Um, you know, uh, Willow's there, but she can't use her powers, so she's not really doing much of anything. Um, so the, 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 the long through line, you know, all these characters that I like are just sort of sidelined and none of that sort of fun banter between them or bonhomie that they have is, is really even present. Um, to the point that when it is, when it does show up in a few like dribs and drabs throughout the season, I'm like, oh, cool. I remember why I like this show. Um, like first date, for instance, which is a sort of a, sort of a comedy episode. Um, it has some moments where there's, you know, quips back and forth and there's a call back to Don getting pizza on Buffy's shirt from seven episodes ago, which is funny. <laughs> and there's just, there's interactions between Buffy, Xander and Willow. They're, they're light and funny and enjoyable. And it's, it, even though I don't think it's a great episode, it's, it's a standout of this season for me just because it feels like Buffy again. And so much of it just doesn't. And a lot of the humor in this season, you know, I don't think hits at all. Um, you know, what's there is frequently just a reference to something that happened in a previous season and there's not actually any new humor attached. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's just, the tone is all off for me. Uh, so yeah, I mean, there's, there, there are, there are a couple of episodes that one that, that I just mentioned, um, for some reason I like lies my parents told me, which is that we're going to kill Spike episode. <laughs> <laughs> um, and of course the, 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 the finale is great. And, and I think, um, a large part of that is because the banter and levity is back. And I, I think that's yeah. because I, really one of the biggest failing, not failing, but w- one of the reasons I think that this season kind of doesn't work is um, for all his other failings, I think Joss Whedon has a real gift for for a balance between the humor and the drama and the pathos in these episodes. And it's very evident when he writes an episode as he does with this last one. Um, and and I just think that's really hard to replicate. You know, I, I could make an argument the first and the last episodes of the of the season are the two best episodes. Um, I think you're probably right. Mm-hmm. And, and and at the end, I mean, it's obvious too that he's that Whedon is um, playing. It's not quite the, the hits, but it's like he's reaching back. Like Giles says, the Earth, you know, the Earth's definitely doomed, which is the last thing he says in the first episode of the show in the pilot. Right. Right. And and, and the and the, the as they're going to, they presume their deaths. The dialogue that it's that snappy, sparkly dialogue, purposefully, right? They leave it so that Willow and Xander and Buffy are walking down the hallway in the high school together, and that you know, yes, so that I they can call have out, their moments. Yeah, I wanted to call that out. It's it's very subtle that scene where they all walk down the hall together, and they casually kind of say goodbye to each other because they're fairly fairly sure that they're all going to die. <laughs> And, and, you know, there's not like a big hug or a big speech, which thank God, because there's already been so much speechifying, <laughs> so <many speeches>. yeah. <laughs> my, I, my head would explode, but there's just like, you know, she briefly holds hands with Xander and she pats Willow on the shoulder as she drifts off to her room to, you know, cast her spell. And it's really, really great. And then the other thing, of course, is that the final scene, which so good, which is Buffy. Does, I, I watched it twice because I, I had to go back and see Buffy doesn't have any lines in that, in that scene at all. Yeah. Everybody else is mm-hmm. talking, but she's just thinking and the one, like, it's almost a line in itself, but she just smiles, you know? Yeah. Like, yeah, 
I'm, uh, the burden is off of me. Yeah. And I, I kind of have to feel like maybe that's uh, Sarah Michelle Gellar thinking the exact <laughs> same thing at that yes. point. <laughs> Seemed, based on yeah. recent interviews with her, yes. Yeah. But, yeah, but that really hits. Both of those, both of those really yeah. hit in a way that much of the rest of the season doesn't. So I feel like a lot of the heavy lifting for, for what goodwill I do have for this season was done by that, that episode. I just wish there'd been a little more of it. As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be Continued at scs.georgetown.com. Edu slash podcast. Watching Buffy season seven is actually an immersive experience because um, Sarah Michelle Gellar and a lot of other people are just really tired of making the show. And also Buffy and a lot of the other characters in it are really tired <laughs> of fighting these battles over yeah. and over again. And by the time you are finished watching a season, especially if you watch it in a binge format, as we all kind of have to rewatch mm-hmm. it here, um, you also feel very tired yeah. <laughs> and are ready for this final battle. <laughs> Yeah, all this. You know, I I, I talk about, a lot about um, this being my my favorite show, and the, the boy, those early se- seasons. I, and I've also, you know, I keep coming back to that thing I said, where you know, the end of season five, where she sacrifices herself to save Dawn. What a great series finale! And then they made yeah. two more seasons, and I, <laughs> I I I I feel that watching them these six six and seven again, I feel that again. But what this watching season seven really did for me and also reading those interviews because Sarah Michelle Gellar has a new show and they asked her about Buffy and it, you know, she talked very candidly, I think about being a, uh, a, a very young actor who's put in the lead of a show that, that, that kind of becomes a hit. And, you know, she has to be responsible in a way that maybe the youngest person on the set shouldn't have to be, but she did. And, and that, you know, she learned a lot, but it, it like you could tell it was also, as we now know from lots of people's stories, it was a very difficult environment to be in. So I, I'm re- interested to read her stories about this and I'm watching season seven and a, a thing happened to me, which I didn't expect, which is I got to the end and I thought, you know what? For the last 20 years, I've thought they should, you know, they should do a Buffy reunion or they should reboot Buffy and that intellectual property is just sitting out there. And I got to the end of Chosen and I said to myself, you know what? I hope all of those attempts to bring it back fail because I yeah. think that it shouldn't ever come back and that this is it. And this is it shouldn't come back. What's it going to do? Is it going to be better? No. Is it going to be disappointing? Yeah. Uh, do I need more of this? No, I do don't. And, and part of that is that Chosen is satisfying as a finale. It is that moment of Buffy realizing she doesn't have to bear the burden of the entire world on her shoulders. Um, it's a good it's a good place to end it. And after all of these other things out there and knowing about the difficulty in making it and then seeing what they made, I'm like, you know what? They're, they were done. If they weren't done two years before, they're really done now. Maybe we could just leave this uh, in, a bu- in a school bus by the side of the road in the desert, which is how the show right. ends. Also, yeah. <laughs> to, to Quinn's point about, like, clearly the, the actors here are tired of, of doing Buffy. Mm. I mean, they, they all look like they're worn down, or at least maybe I'm just projecting that. But um, I, I also sort of feel like the people making and writing the show are also kind of running out of ideas. Uh, like, our <laughs> big comedy episode is yet another love spell episode. Well, 
I think this is also the full Whedon employment plan going on here, too, where a lot of these writers are writers who were like cycled out in and out of Angel or they were cycled in and out of of um, of Firefly. And they're 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 like looking for their next job and probably working on their pilot scripts and stuff while they're because they know that the jig is up. But they're also sort of like they're the veterans. Um, But but yeah, it does feel like none of them are doing their their I mean, none of them are doing their best work on Buffy or their best work at all here. It's a weird thing, right? It's like everybody knows that it's coming to an end, but you're still obligated to to do your best. And I'd say that the biggest sparks of energy here are from um, either like I really like Principal Wood. He's great. Um, really great. I think yeah. he, uh, DB yeah. Woodside, I think he is a lot of fun so and he's got a new character. Oh, the line with him and Faith <laughs> is so, so good, pretty. right? Was like, I'm, I think I'm prettier than you. And she's like, no. And yeah, he's like a little bit. Uh, he, I think he's really great. Um, and I, uh, and you know, I, Tom Link, I think is actually pretty funny. Um, and mm. is trying his best. One um, of my favorite parts of this, but, uh, this, this but, season, to but, be honest. The, I, you, but the I other person who so much the other person who doesn't seem done done honestly is James Marsters, um, who is yeah. still doing his <laughs> sure. best. And you know, and and the story is that he dies at the end of this. Well, guess what? In episode one, at the end of episode one of Angel, the next season, he emerges from the amulet in Angel's offices and is a regular on the show that whole season, uh, which is the last mm. season of Angel. So um, one, they kind of undo his sacrifice, which is not great. But two, I think James Marsters is like, no, he's like, he's like uh, Michael Dorn going to Deep Space Nine. He's like, no, what? I, I still want a paycheck. Take me on to the next show. I'll do his it. sacrifice didn't um, hit that hard anyway. Still... It's not that big a deal. It invalidated yeah. it- and he's still 20 years later playing off of the Buffy franchise the at cons. Yeah. yeah. Like, it's not bad um, for a guy from Modesto, California, who yeah, somehow like, is English professionally. I don't know how that works. Yeah. yeah it's um, how did everybody feel? I mean, so Spike and Buffy, that was something I was trying to get to earlier. That, that scene in season six, right? Um, and then, and where mm-hmm. he is basically um, trying to rape her. And then he goes off to Africa and does challenges and gets his soul back. And they bring him back and they bring him. I think they recognize that they can't just bring him back and have him walk in and be like, do, 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 hey, Buffy, I'm back. Uh, so they have him be crazy in the <laughs> crazy in the basement of the school for a while. And um, and then they, you know, spend the season trying to repair him. How do how do you all feel like that worked? Because we I remember us talking about season six and about how. Uh, that was not only a kind of horrifying episode, but it, it's like you're taking the character of Spike and saying, well, yeah, can't use that anymore. And yet by the end of season seven, Buffy says, I love you to him. He says, no, you do. No, you don't. And uh, like that's did, did, did that work or was were they trying too hard? I think they did as good a job as they possibly could. Um, I, I'm not sure that it's entirely successful because what they did to him in season six you just really can't come go back from that. I said that yeah. on the season six episode as well. I mean, they they pushed multiple characters beyond where they could be rehabilitated, um, and so it's it's a difficult task that they've been given this season to try to make him the love interest again. I think they they pull it off as well as they could. I still feel kind of uh, kind of gross about it <laughs> when the end comes, but I love Spike as a character yeah. throughout. Other than that that one moment, so. I feel like the writers are also like, look, we regret it. We're just going to fix it. So it let's not think about it. Nobody think about it. <laughs> right. Like, cause clearly the show is like, uh, yeah. I mean, I, I feel like even at the end of season six, they're like, how, how do we fix this? And it's like, I don't know. Give him a soul. 
Uh, like we got to do something. Um, but I'm not sure it works in, I mean, we all want to like spike, I guess, but it's, uh, it's, it's really tough. They, they really did write themselves in the corner. Right. I mean, yeah, I, I really, I like spike a lot and the way they ended season six made him irredeemable in a lot of ways. Like, I, I mean, I get, he's got a soul now and he like, it's, Fine-ish. And um <laughs> and and I do appreciate that like he accepted that he had royally messed up um soul or no soul and wasn't coming in expecting like a big uh welcome back to the gang. Uh but I really I still really wish they had made I wish they'd made better choices at the end of season six so that I could enjoy Spike more because I think he's such, I think he's a fun character when he's evil and I really like him when he's trying not to be. Um, And so I have such mixed feelings about him throughout. This whole season, I think, is painful to watch with Buffy and Spike because we mentioned earlier that like, Willow and Xander and Anya, all three of them don't really have a ton to do this season. And I think that a lot of this season is is Buffy and Spike. And boy, is their relationship painful. Because yeah. like the beginning of the season, Buffy is very traumatized by him. And then as it unfolds, they develop back into this like codependent relationship which is clearly not healthy and we can look at it from the reverse back we're like knowing the end of the show we know that like spike i guess like fully redeems himself through the sacrifice is like the narrative of the show and that like we do truly need him to win in the end but in the moment there's no reason for anyone to know or think that but buffy still protects him um and in those moments it's just like it's it's like, I feel for you, girl. Like, th- you're 22 years old and life is really hard and you are not in a healthy relationship. And I am really glad that this season does not, they do not restart an explicitly romantic relationship in any way, at least yeah. like physically. It takes until the very end of the season for like emotional vulnerability to be truly achieved again between them. So at least. That is, I would say, the, the the one benefit of the season being as long as it is, is it it does give them enough time to have more development of that relationship. Is it a development that I think should have happened based on the events of season six? Not really, mm. which is sad because, again, like, I also love Spike, but also look what you did to him. Look what you did to us. I, it just, it, I, I kind of agree that I think that like they did what they could, but what they could do still wasn't very good. And it's, it's very strong. Like women can fix their men energy. And I just, (laughs) (laughs) I I didn't, I, I, I don't think that's what they were intentionally going for, but the entire time it was just like, oh, honey, you need to let him go, live his life. Maybe he can come back to you later after he's he's better. But like this yeah. is, oh, my God, it's still not good. That scene from like episode two or three where he's confessing to her what he did to get his soul back for her terrified me. That was so scary. I was like, that is a 
that's a horrible thing to do to someone is to like put this burden on them. It's like, I did all of this for you because I'm such a bad person. And it's like, oh, it made me so uncomfortable. One of my least favorite parts of the season is how much time they try to spend or take spending rehabilitating Spike. And um, I kind of wish Buffy would have dated Principal Wood. Yeah. Mm -hmm. (laughs) He sure hops on Faith quick. I I wasn't too pleased with that (laughs) turn of events either. I really liked, I, like I said, I, I really like D.B. Woodside. I like Wood. Um, I think that there, there is, speaking of Spike, there is that difficult moment where like Wood's secret backstory is that that flashback we saw several years ago where Spike kills the super cool black slayer on a subway car in New York uh, and get and steals her jacket and that's her jacket that here it's revealed she had a son and now he's the principal at Sunnydale High which is you know he's he's chosen this job because he is coming for revenge and and he's in this world but it puts us in a situation where we're like well let's see I like this guy and Spike did kill his mom and, and we're like no 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 you can't kill Spike and the question is sort of like, well, why? Why can't we? And the answer is because we need him, which is not a great answer, right? It's like because he's a useful weapon for us, and we, you know, we, he's been around a while, and it's it just yeah, it's very weird because because Wood is such an interesting character, and yet they make it like he's an antagonist because he rightfully wants to kill Spike for revenge. I don't know. It's it's a weird combination for a character who I like. I I, I could have yeah. lived I could have marinated in that the world of the first few episodes a lot longer where yes. Buffy is a guidance counselor. Principal Wood has knows what's going on but isn't telling and she's trying to pretend that she that nothing is going on and that students have problems and now Buffy is the counselor trying to fix the hellmouth problems at Sunnydale High. I feel like that would have been to go back to Aline's sort of like, let's split it in two. Maybe that's the first 11 episodes of the year, right? Is just a Sunnydale high is really weird, isn't it? Buffy. <laughs> um, and then the last half could be everything falls apart and they've got to do the rest of it because I, I really did the, the bits of it we get in that, that first handful of episodes. It's, it's fun. And Wood yes. is fun in those. Cause you're like, what does he know? Does he, he can't be that stupid. He obviously knows something. What is it? And it's, it's good stuff. Yeah. It's a return to form. That's, that's part of what I like about it. I also really like that they let Buffy, be a competent counselor. She's actually very good at that job. It's not played for completely for laughs. I mean, there are moments that are funny, but she's she's genuinely a solid counselor at that school, and I think that's great. Right. And there's that moment where she's like, "No, I see you. Don't turn invisible." Right. Where she's like, "I know all the things that are happening at the school." Uh, that that is, uh, yeah. That was right. that was uh, that was all fun. Um, and and that would have given us more DB Woodside too, I think, which is more Principal Wood would have been good. He's really yeah. Great. More more of everybody but Buffy and Spike, I think, would have helped this season a lot. I think that's a, a really good point. They spent so much time focusing on trying to rehab that relationship, and I don't think it completely works. And yeah. I think it's to the detriment of of the rest of what's going on. Uh, I mean, just the fact that I'm happy to see Angel at that moment at the end, and I'm like, oh, Angel's here, you know. And of course they. <laughs> Get rid of him. I, I forgot, like I've re- watched all of Angel too, but I forgot how they went together and I forgot totally about the amulet, but I did enjoy seeing. <laughs> it would be very easy David. to forget it. There's almost nothing. <laughs> Somebody from Wolfram and Hart like pulls it out of a box and says, uh, this is important. <laughs> and that's it. Yeah. So I did, you know, it was like, first of all, seeing smiling David Boreanaz, you know, like right? he 
she like oh yay it's like the smiling angel and uh and i was surprised when she kissed him i was like what what is happening here i'm i'm kind of like you know in the role of spike now going like ah oh, man you know but uh i and i like the cookie dough uh metaphor <laughs> like <laughs> I was like, I'm like the cookie dough. I mean, that was the first one of the moments like where I said, oh, they're giving her a truly, you know, uh, good way for a young woman to look at like, you know, because she talks so much about how she's terrible with relationships. I'm like, you're, you've only dated vampires and yeah. you're only 22. Like, and secret agents, not, like, vampires and secret, <laughs> secret agents. agents. Yeah. Well, that, there was that college guy that, that ditched her. That, That's uh, true. I mean, she, she's not um, she's not picking great men, is the thing. No, yeah. but you know, she is only twenty two, and, and it's a very you know, Buffy metaphor too, right? Because Buffy is is never yeah. going to pick the best metaphor, so she's like, I'm like cookie dough. I'm like, oh Buffy, <laughs> yeah. go with it. You got it's. We get it. We get it. Go for it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, but that she's like, I, you know, I'm not baked yet, and yeah. so I'm not yeah. ready. My cookies, you know, it kind of goes. Then you know, Angel's like, do I, I have to use this cookie metaphor? <laughs> Yeah, so that was funny. That's all good, yeah. and, and you know we've we've seen seven episodes or seven seasons of this character as the lead, and she's our hero. And in the mm-hmm. very last episode, what she says is, "I haven't grown up yet. I'm I don't know mm-hmm. who I am." And that's that's a that's a great thing to put in your last episode too. That that her smile at the end that's part of it is that she gets to live a life now, right? After having been told from the very beginning, and in fact in the movie, <laughs> even <laughs> that the Slayers just die. They just die. They they don't live. Like what happens to you when you're a slayer and you're in your mid twenties? And the answer is, oh, you won't be. <laughs> you know, you will die before then. <laughs> and at the end of this episode, it's like she gets to consider that she gets to live her life. It's right. And, and I mean, and given that that sort cookies. of given that sort of backstory, why would you pick good guys that you're going to want to spend a lot of time with? Right. You're you're probably going to want to pick some loser guy that you know you're not going to get too attached to because uh, you may not be around that long. This is now, the I faith say, plan. It, yeah, there you go. <laughs> I got real issues with them killing off Anya as an afterthought in the final episode. Mm. It's, I wish they'd it's... killed Xander instead. Yeah. I know they couldn't, <laughs> but <laughs> it's that that one is not. It, it's no payoff in any way, and it's even her death isn't so much a sacrifice as she just happened to get stabbed, and then or, she's like, dead, chopped. Yeah, I mean it's it's not as it's not as painful as the abrupt death of of uh, of Tara. But it's still like, why? Why you got to do that? What was the point? It would have made a lot more sense for them to kill off Andrew as opposed to Anya in that fight. I think that's why they didn't. I think that yeah. that, that is literally that it's all set up that Andrew's going to die and it's going to be, and he wants to, he wants to go out having redeemed himself for having killed Jonathan and all of that. And and that's the twist, I think, is the decision there is that is that in the end he survives and Anya doesn't. And he says, why am I alive? Why? Why was it not me? Um, it's a great but, question. I don't but think I agree. <laughs> <knew>. <laughs> I, well, I mean, I do. I, I like look, it's the last episode. Right. So I like that. What it really does is it ends up uh, having that kind of, I think, sweet moment where Andrew explains that she died and Xander sort of smiles and says, that's my, that's my girl. I, I think that's kind of sweet, right? Cause it's like appreciation of Anya 
and in that moment. But I also agree. It's like it does sort of feel like, well, we got to kill somebody, right? Right. I mean, it's not a real battle if we're not some casualties. Right. I it mean, we said that matter. people would die, so we got to kill some people. So let's. Cedric Diggory's got to go, or yeah. else it means yeah, nothing. Yeah, exactly. And. I would think that Xander's little comment at the end was sweet, but of course it had to be wrapped in the Xander cynicism. And so he ends up saying something negative about Anya, like that's my stupid girl or like something like that. And it's just like, why could, why, why do you got to be a jerk? Well, it's because his dialogue is being written by Joss Whedon. That's why. Yeah. But I, I yeah. get I get what is trying to be done there. But I also I'm one of those people who thinks like a last episode of a TV show is is more about saying goodbye to your friends that you've spent all this time with, uh, and so killing anybody off in a way is sort of like preventing you from allowing them to kind of exit and live happily ever after. And again, I think that was that was the point here. But I agree. I. I I, I have thought about that a lot. Every time I think about the end of Buffy, I think, huh, they killed Anya, right? Why? Right? <laughs> like, like, you know, and to hey, do it the in point, the, the why. Yeah. I mean, there's no, there's no build up to it that makes it a no, that noble a sacrifice. I mean, no, it's we not barely a care about I Andrew. Do, She's no, just but I, fighting. Yeah. I do think that it's an interesting, uh, I guess, period on her existence where like the entire time that she's been on the show, um, she's questioned herself and her place in the world, whether it was as a human or as a demon. And I think she spent a lot of time, especially in her non-demon <laughs> periods, uh, questioning like who she was and where she belonged. And she didn't even really like people at all. And so I think that part of what they were trying to do was like, make that her final show of evolution or something is like she sacrificed herself for someone that she didn't like all that much just because he was a person and his life was worthy of being saved or something like that. Like, I think that that's what they were going for. I don't think it works entirely because it, it is so lackluster it ties into her sacrifice or the the the, her mistaken sacrifice uh to save the frat boys that she killed right where Mm -hmm. where the hoffron uh instead kills uh her friend um instead of her and and so i think there's that aspect of it that she also is like that also i do think one of the things that was great about anya as a character is that she had lived thousands of years and had been immortal and now she's human and she always struggled with the like you know gross i'm gonna get old and wrinkly and i'm gonna die and i i wasn't gonna do any of those things when i was a vengeance vengeance demon and so this is that moment where where she does do that sacrifice but i agree it's just kind of a bummer in an episode that it doesn't i mean I know that they want the stakes to be amped up, but it it doesn't really serve much of a purpose other than to say that they killed someone and check that box. Uh, shout out to Emma Caulfield, by the way. Um, she was just in WandaVision and is going to be yeah. in the the sequel to that as well. And uh, when she appeared on screen, I was like, hey, it was like seeing an old friend. It was I was so happy to see her because I always thought Anya was a, a really fun character and a fun addition to the show. Um, and yeah, I always am sad that she got killed at the end. And that Andrew survived. But I know that was the point, but yeah, I I get it. Uh what else about this season should we have we have we not have we not gotten to? 
There are many. I mean, there are many I'm potential not sure slayers. There are, there are full standout episodes. There are standout moments. Yeah. <clears throat> um, actually, I, I thought Help episode four was pretty decent, largely on the strength of the performance by uh, the creepy girl who foresees her own death. I love her. I, I I can't even remember the name of the character, but she is so Cassie. good in that episode. That's it, yeah. When when she returns briefly in conversations with dead people, I right. was so excited because she has a real presence, and it's it it bummed me out when she just disappeared immediately after that that opening scene with her. Yeah, the um, second that she appeared on screen, I was like, oh, because I hadn't wa- rewatched season seven since I watched it the first time, so I didn't remember a lot of the details. But she appeared on screen, and I was like, oh, this is going to be sad. I don't remember what happens, <laughs> but I know it's sad. Yeah, I do. Also, I really like Storyteller as much as Andrew is a character drives me up the wall, as Mm -hmm. is intended. Mm -hmm. Um, Like Storyteller is just such an interesting perspective into the mind of this really impressionable, weird young man. And just like the way that he twists things in his brain is just absolutely fascinating to me. Yeah. And I mean, he, I just, well, I also liked it because it's, he got to say some things that we were already thinking, like he says, Hey, Buffy, stop talking. Like at one point while he's trying to film them on, I'm like, yeah, it's, unbelievable that there's not a speech going on everything is you know, <laughs> speech after speech and and then i do love he comes around you know i i don't know and it tickled me how he'd say like slayer of the vampires you know <laughs> it just was funny and then him coming back and he you know when faith shows up and he does a faith montage and he says and then she you know that most fighting that most logical of all creatures and and it's mm-hmm. Spock, and I'm like, oh, I don't remember that at all. When the first time that the Vulcanologist. <laughs> and so, I mean, that's to me, like, where Andrew kept it light for me throughout the season was like, he, except, of course, killing Jonathan was not light at all. But, um, but the, just the, his nerdy goofiness being inserted sort of randomly here and there just kept me smiling, so... I enjoy Tom Lenk's performance. I don't really like the character of Andrew. Uh, he's just such a caricature of, you know, he's, he's pure dopey comic relief. And I think sometimes they utilize him when they can't think of funny things for the other characters to say. Mm. Um, and there's there's that kind of ick about how, you know, he's clearly written as as closeted gay. Mm-hmm. He has He's clearly in love with Warren in the previous seasons and in this season. And there's sort of the the undertone of, well, you know, his crush on this guy turns him evil and makes him kill his best friend. And that yep. just kind of gives me a, a, a gross true. feeling. Um, but yeah. I will say that in this episode, uh, I like him because they do humanize him at the end. They make him more than just the dopey comic relief for a change. Um, and, and I think... That sticks around for maybe another half an episode, and then he goes back to where where he was. <laughs> but it's it's nice to see them, you know, finally give this guy some 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 real, I guess, depth. I I think storyteller's okay. I think my problem with it is 
because uh, it is a, a standout episode. I think my problem with it is mostly that it, it is a Buffy high concept episode, one of the very last, if not the last high concept Buffy, Buffy episode. And, you know, it doesn't, I mean, it's not as good as so many of the other high concept episodes that they have done. Yeah. And, and it's, it's sort of like, it's a little inconsistent and it, it's, it can't fully commit to the premise because it's got to do some other things in order to move the story of the season along. Um, to some extent, it feels like a redo of the all Jonathan episode from a couple seasons back with all the, you know, the flights of fancy. And- mm. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. But, uh, but still I agree. I, and I, yeah, I like, I like Tom Link. I agree that Andrew isn't always used well, although I think bringing them back and having Andrew kill Jonathan, who is like major recurring character in this show at the behest of Warren, who's actually the first evil. I thought that was suitably creepy and like upping the stakes. I thought that was a really interesting moment, but yeah, he does end up being just kind of comic relief. Yeah. I mean, he's such a dingus. It's, it doesn't really carry a lot of weight. (laughs) Yeah. One thing Her about bringing Warren back, I have to complain about is they keep they showing the flaying, continually showing the <laughs> we flaying. We spent a lot of money on this flaying, and we're going to keep <laughs> showing was like, it. Really, it's already seared in my brain from Previously twenty years ago. On Warren, the flayed guy. <laughs> it is a great effect. I got to give him that. Yeah, it's just every uh, time you, the first thing you yeah, see, do, like. Oh, we can keep putting it in. Yeah, as opposed to most of the CGI uh, CGI in this season, which looks like it came out of the Journeyman project. But well, (laughs) that's what I noticed this season is that this season they're like everybody. We got computers now. (laughs) Yeah, right. (laughs) And so they they do some stuff that's interesting, but also they do a bunch of stuff that feels like super rudimentary. It has not aged well. Computer stuff. Yeah, yeah. The the scene actually the scene at the end with the the Uber vamps, you know all. Yeah, the Lord below. of the Rings scene that works out pretty well. <laughs> yeah, I mean it's, that one's it's kind decent. of dark and all, but that's uh, but yeah, it doesn't it doesn't it isn't laughably bad. I mean they're down there because they got to be down there because they're they're in a computer. But yeah. I, I did want to um, update everybody. Remember we we made that, we talked about how a, uh, after they were investigating the tower where Buffy sacrificed herself and there was just like a guy wandering around in the corner <laughs> because the of the sixteen by nine crop and they didn't take that guy out in, in the climactic moment where Buffy is saying goodbye to Spike as Spike has the beam the laser beam coming out of his uh, his pendant. Um, there are several of those scenes that in the Hulu 16 by nine, you can just see the pendant hanging there with no, no beam or anything. And I'm like, Oh guys, come on. (laughs) There's also a moment after Buffy discovers what principal Wood is, who he is, his backstory. She's in his office talking to him and there's just like a random guy sitting in one of the, the chairs that's in the background (laughs) And I was like, is there is there someone in there, like a student in there? And I forgot. But it was like, no, it was just like some, the sound guy, some rando in mm-hmm. a chair hanging out behind Buffy in the background. I also really like that we are seven seasons into this show and there are still scenes where it is just full stunt double, like full face of stunt double. Yeah, <laughs> just com- completely always a different yeah. person. I find it really charming. Yeah, they they I was noticing in the last episode, especially um, but in a few of them, I think they were trying to cut a little more aggressively to reduce the amount of stunt person face. But there's only so much you can do because that, <laughs> that person budget. who's what flipping, the person who is flipping is not Sarah Michelle Keller. And that's just how it is. Uh, yeah, it's it is. It is charming. And of course, we have to say, you know, standard deaf. Uh, they, 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 they thought they could get away with it. Uh, but you know, they can't, it turns out they couldn't get away with it after all. 
So overall, couple other highlight moments. Oh yeah, yeah. Steve's got his list of highlights. This is a no. Well, it's. My I have a huge, part. huge set of notes, and I haven't really whittled them down, so I'm not going to go through everything, but I just wanted to call out a couple other things. Um, I really liked episode three, Same Time, Same Place. That's the episode where Willow shows up and inadvertently makes herself invisible. Um, I didn't think that stuff was so great, but I thought the skin-eating monster, Gnarl, was one of the best creepy uh, Monster oh, yeah. of the Week monsters <laughs> of the whole series. I just thought, oh my God, they don't have a good good story here and they but they're gonna gross us out so we don't notice oh god the scenery starts munching on willow's belly skin is so delightfully Ugh. gross it's <laughs> delightful i would not apply to this but yeah no that's like with the flaying that's like another thing and that that character was in the opening credits like you know, yes right and i'm like not him again, not him again. No. yeah i mean it's it, for for of the first six Monster of the Week episodes from this season, I think that one's a standout. I think it's it works out really well. And then the only other thing I wanted to mention was I think the highlight of the whole season for me is the very long scene uh, in episode five, Selfless, of Abraham Ben Ruby and Emma Caulfield just saying gibberish at each other for, oh, like, yeah. <laughs> for like three minutes, which I guess is supposed to be like old Icelandic or something. But I, I approve of that so much. It was just a hilarious scene of of just utter nonsense. And, yeah, they're, uh, they're old Norse or whatever, and and he's like, "What? Right. I I well, I must have left that at the at the at the tavern." And she's like, "You went to the tavern, but it's all in the <laughs> language with the subtitles." Right. And, well, the subtitles are great too. I mean, your hips are narrow like a Baltic woman from a slightly more arid region. I mean, yes. that's that's great. But just if you if you turn them off completely and you just listen to them spouting this nonsensical stuff at each other, yeah. it's it is utterly hilarious. Like really good stuff. Good to see Abram Ben Ruby. Yes. It's Jerry for me are, and he was also a troll man. Yeah. And uh, uh, it was yeah. Parker Lewis or something, right? Was he? I think he was the bully in Parker Lewis. Mm, that so could was be. his first role. That could be. So I feel like we've gotten out sort of everybody's feelings about this. Matt, Maddie came in with the, uh, with the kind of liked it. I think the rest of us were kind of like mostly, eh, you know, not, it's no season six. And and that's good, I think. Mm. And any other overall thoughts about this uh, this season before we wrap up Buffy as a whole? It was good to see Joyce. Yeah, oh, yeah, mm. yeah. I didn't like Joyce. I I remember talking very negatively about her. She was an awful parent, but it was still nice to have her back. I didn't like how long <laughs> that episode stretches out where where uh, Dawn is being haunted, where it's like very clear what's going to happen here. And they like extend it and extend it and extend it. One of the nice touches I like with Joyce, though, is that the Joyce who appears as the first evil is obviously trying to undercut Buffy. But there's also the Joyce mm -hmm. who appears in their dreams, in her dreams. And that's Joyce, mm -hmm. right? Because right. dreams are, yeah. are prophetic or whatever. And I like that, that. So there's two Joyces. There's the dream Joyce who actually is on her side. And then there's the evil, first evil duplicate of Joyce. Yeah, you well, know, Jason, you see there's two Joyces within each of us. Mm -hmm. That's right. <laughs> the, the first evil and the last evil, or the first good or something. I, I, I don't know. I, I did not like that, that the whole thing they set up with Dawn in that episode turned out to be absolutely nothing. I nothing. Mean, absolutely nothing. Just completely dropped on the floor. But yeah, it was great to see Joyce again. Actually, since watching season six, you know, last time when we did episode of season six, it actually has gone up a little in my estimation. Um, you know, it's dark and it's painful, but I, it did a lot of things that I that I think were bold and interesting and good. 
And I think there's less of bold and interesting and good in this season, and it just kind of trudges along. And I, I'm not necessarily sure that I would say that this was a better season than hmm. season six. Um, so I would put them almost on an even keel. They're very different, right. but in terms of how much I like them, I, I can't necessarily say that six is worse than this. Better villains. I have, I, I've had a lot of criticisms of this season that I've shared. I would say overall, I like the beginning and I like the end quite a bit. And then the beginning, the middle, I think um, I would do a lot of things differently. Um, but I, I think this, the season's worst sin is just being boring mm. a lot of the time. And mm. there's a lot of good stuff in there that is surrounded by some pretty me mediocre stuff. I don't think it has as much truly terrible stuff as some other seasons uh, have, but I don't think it has as many of those high points either. It's just, right. it's just often just quite middling, um, which is depending on your perspective, either better or worse than season six, which I think has some very great episodes, but also so bad at other points. Um, yeah. Overall, I think that it's kind of, I, you know, I wish that the show could have gone out in like a really strong season, um, but at least it managed to at least somewhat stick the landing. Weird plot MacGuffins aside, um, I think that thematically it really stuck the landing yes. and had an emotional climax. And I, I, there are so many shows out there that just completely whiff it with the finale. And so I do really appreciate that. And the show was recognizably Buffy the Vampire Slayer throughout season seven. That's another thing that struck me is that so many of these shows that last a little too long, by the time you get to the end, like a bunch of the original characters are gone. And I know that like Angel's not here and I guess Cordelia's not here, but like the core of the show is recognizable in the last season throughout. And, and that struck me because a lot of shows that fall apart, one of the reasons they fall apart is that they, you know, they lose half their cast and replace them with other characters. And although there are lots of additional characters here, there's also that, that core of, of Buffy and Willow and Xander and Giles, especially, that are present in this season. And so it, it still feels like Buffy instead of feeling like a few of the characters of Buffy who have remained, like some other shows that sort of how it feels like at the end. Yeah, agreed. And I just also want to point out, I don't think this is a bad season. It's it's not a good season, but I I I I think because of those reasons that you say that, you know, these are still the same characters, still the same great acting performance from, from Sarah Michelle Gellar. Uh, you know, it is, it hasn't completely turned into something different at this point. It's just less than what it was. And so, you know, as much as I have had things to say about it that are, that are not positive, I don't think it turned out bad necessarily. It's just not good. I really like the, uh, all the characters coming back as the first, like the fan service of Faith coming back. I yes. like the fan service of Angel coming and them like kissing and kind of wrapping up that story for her. And the fact that he's there when she kills Caleb and offers to help and she has to do it herself. Um, Slicing and Dyson. <laughs> I, uh, Julian, Julian Preacher. Um, I really like uh, the fight where she beheads the Turakan and does a big speech. Buffy does. Um, yeah. I like the speech that 
uh, Xander gives to Dawn when she doesn't become a slayer and how he calls her extraordinary. I think that's one of the best Xander moments ever for that character. Xander gets at least three or four unexpectedly insightful moments in this (laughs) season, which is almost the only thing he gets to do. But it is, I always enjoy those. One of the best Xander moments for sure. Yeah, it's that moment where he says, look, Dawn, you're one of us. You're the, you're the support. And it's hard. And I, yeah, that's a great speech. And that's a great moment from Xander. And I, I was struck by the fact that, that uh, throughout, you know, Xander, um, Xander never gets, pa- uh, you know, a power. Like everybody else gets a power, right? And Xander's like, no, Xander does not get a power. He is, he is, other than being an army guy <laughs> for a while, right. briefly. Uh, he, he, and he, a cyclops. He's just a guy uh, who's there to support his friends. And, and, and in that moment, in that nice speech with Don, he's like, it's not so bad, Don, you know, you, you, you and me, <laughs> we're, this is what we, this is our lot is to be this. And there's nothing wrong with that. It's a, it's a really nice moment. Those characters, I love, that's actually one of my favorite things that they do with Xander is that Xander is, um, is really good with Don. He's like very supportive yeah. of her throughout. Yeah. It's and, like his adopted little sister, basically. And he gets tased for it. <laughs> oh yeah he deserved it it's, it's, it's a very satisfying scene to be honest yeah <laughs> yep yep who who amongst us has not wanted to taste <laughs> season season one he could have used it a lot yeah and then i have to like jump on and agree that um like the finale is is great i i don't think they could have done anything better with the like final episode than what they did honestly I really like the scythe. I know people like dislike that weapon because it comes out of nowhere, but you know, scythe matters. So, <laughs> I, I, I I like it. Um, there is a backstory there, which is Joss Whedon wrote a graphic novel that's set in the future where there are no slayers, um, and it's like demons run amok and it's very bad. And um, and then a slayer is called, and the and she has this mystical weapon that she's given, and he wrote that comic like during like before season six or something like that. And it it was actually kind of a hit and that, so it's actually a case where that thing from the comic was brought back into the show. And that's why that scythe comes out of nowhere is that the people who read the comic are like, Oh, look what they did. And everybody else is like, okay, I guess there's this new weapon now. Uh, oh, yeah, I remember it was called Frey. Yeah, Frey. Yeah, exactly. Right. It's a good, mm-hmm. it's a good comic. Um, but yeah, she uses it to split, um, Caleb in half, which is yeah, a, a split. Uh, that, that was a which good, is also good moment. Good. good moment. What a wonderful idea, though that the the way they close this out. I mean, what better way could you could you end this series by basically giving Buffy her freedom? Yep. I mean, it's it's totally out of the blue. I wish they'd set it up a little better, but but I cannot think. I cannot imagine a better way to kind of give this character uh, her life effectively back. Mm-hmm. And and to your point, Jason, I, the, the, when you end a series, you know, you, you really want to give people the ability to sort of think that the characters that they like are going to go off and, you know, have a happy life or whatever they've got coming to them. And uh, she's it, her, her backstory is such a bind that uh, to come up with this sort of out as much of a, you know, ex machina as it is, um, I think it's great. Well, I I think they play fair in the sense that it's 
the the premise is that we're going to kill all the potentials and so there won't be a slayer and then they flip it on the, their head and say well what if we made them all slayers and so uh, unlike the amulet <laughs> right like i i think it's a fun they do withhold it right because they want it to be surprised but they activate them all in that mm-hmm. moment is so great where it's like you are all and they flash back to it right you are all going to be have the power of the slayer and it allows Buffy to have that moment where she's smiling at the in front of the by the way we should just mention Sunnydale is just a a hole in the ground at the end (laughs) yeah I was surprised to learn how close they are to Joshua Tree yeah well I mean it turns out those shadow men only live like a mile away yeah they just drive right out there yeah Yeah. it only got all deserty there in the last couple of years with that Sunnydale is I guess 29 palms Sunnydale is supposed to be Santa Barbara but yeah then they're out in the desert real fast there yeah well, yeah, I think uh, uh, Faith says, ease off, we're clear. Yeah, I'd say you're clear. You've driven to the desert. <laughs> <laughs> but I do like the idea that Sunnydale is just uh, a hole in the a ground. Hole. Like, Because, yeah. the you ground. know, we, we rebuilt the high school. And it's like, no, the Hellmouth is yeah. still there. You can't rebuild the high school. The whole town. If you're going to go out, <laughs> again, if you're going to go out, what do they do? They destroy the entire city. It's just gone, well, including the mall. They evacuate it. Yes, first. they did. They get rid of everybody. Like you see all those houses falling into the yeah, but hell they, mouth. They had evacuated. It's yeah. like nobody's there. Yeah, because yeah. they, they, you the see them that, coming uh, in. Buffy has to forcibly evacuate from his home. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and then there's that great Giles line, which is like, there's another one in Cleveland. And everybody looks at him and he's like, sorry. <laughs> I didn't wanna, Love Giles <laughs> so much. It down. The one <laughs> thing I wish they'd done in the final episode is I wish we'd seen that girl launch a 400 foot home run. Instead uh, of just, you know, a seed of her with determination in her eyes. I just want to see her launch that ball <laughs> into the night. She's got slayer power now, And baby. it never comes back. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's, it's a great ending. Also, I was, I always, I, I, did, I never remember this, that it's just a regular hour-long episode. There's none of this sort of, like, indulgent series finale. We're going to do the big two-hour series finale. It's just a single hour. And, well, they got uh, all the speeches out of the way in the previous episode, exactly. so that helps. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. But it's, uh, yeah, it's a good, it is a good ending, even though I still am of the belief that the most amazing way to end it would have been to have her sacrifice herself for Dawn, season five, and that's the end. And you can believe that if you want to, but then they did make two more seasons on UPN. So here we are. I like this ending better. If you could have just somehow clamped it on to the end of season five. Yeah. So, so Steve, this was your first time through Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Do you have any uh, overall thoughts about this journey that we've taken? Uh, overall thoughts um great show overall um yeah. i think i'm in an agreement that you know big step down for those last two seasons but i don't think they're as bad as everybody says um knowing the whole story i'd kind of like to go back and watch again but i think i'm going to take a little break yeah that's, and that's uh, a fine idea. maybe watch some other things but mm. uh it's really been uh, an enjoyable journey it's uh it's 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 a little long in the tooth in a couple of the effects, but I yeah. think this this show still really stands up well, and I I think uh, you can still see the groundbreaking bits and where they were groundbreaking, and I think that's pretty remarkable. Yeah, did you ever watch Angel? I watched the first season oh. um, when it was supposed to air because there were like two or three crossover episodes yeah, in were that season, and I didn't want to feel like I was missing anything. Um. I may have missed a couple of cross episodes, cross crossover episodes in the last couple of seasons, but uh, I I stopped caring. I think so. the, I think Angel Angel. My opinion is that Angel. We're not going to do Angel seasons <laughs> episodes, but I will say I think Angel toward the end of season two um, makes a very weird turn and gets really interesting after that. Hmm. 
I actually really like that first season. Yeah, it's it's a yeah, it's a, they have to find themselves, but they they and they change the cast around and do some interesting mm-hmm. things and there's there's some good stuff in there and I actually I I really loved the fourth they did five seasons. I really loved the fourth season which was actually simultaneous with Buffy season mm-hmm. 7. Um and then season five is something totally different that's a sh- that's a funny show because it it is it is not the franchise buffy is the franchise and so they just keep kind of making w- making things up and doing weird stuff and uh it's kind of interesting although again things that we know now and were even apparent then um when they when they do write charisma carpenter out it is the most perfunctory wasteful uh writing out of a, mm-hmm. of a long-standing character and oh, wow. and and finding out the reasons why which were mostly that she got pregnant and joss whedon just didn't want her to be on the show anymore because of that uh yeah she just is just sidelined it's too bad but there's Sucks. a lot of good stuff in angel it's just look we're all gonna have to grapple with the fact of uh of what we know now about what kind of a what of a, a lousy guy joss whedon was um but uh but talented i mean i i was watching the last episode thinking yeah this is the guy who made the avengers right like <laughs> i know i mean that's that's one of the knocks about uh, about him is that he has only a few moves and they're good moves but we've seen them all now um and a lot of the th- things he does in things like the avengers you know we'd seen him he'd done those moves in buffy but anyway i still love the show i, I love revisiting it um i was glad to do it on a podcast with all of you so thank you <laughs> Uh, let me say goodbye and goodbye from the Buffy Club because there are there is no okay there's a season eight comic book you can read if you want to and it, and Joss Whedon wrote some of it and it's kind of <laughs> interesting but weird but kind of interesting and then the, it just kind of like goes downhill and they they made a season nine comic and a season ten comic too and it's like meh it was something and like I said I, I I refer to my previous statement where I said maybe it's fine if they never do anything more with this it's just fine yeah. Uh, there's some good Andrew stuff in there though <laughs> actually in the, in the comic uh, alright thank you to my Buffy club it's so great to talk to you about this Jean McDonald thank you for being here thanks I can't believe I've been here uh, as many years as I have and I hopefully have not been tedious um, <laughs> and um, saying saying goodbye I just have to get in the one thing that totally cracked me up with the hell mouth that say, which could be translated as the bidet of evil. <laughs> yeah. I love it. Aline Sims, thank you. I'm kind of sad. I'm kind of yeah. sad, but it's been fun. Yeah. Quinn Rose, thank you. Thank you. I just have to say that when I started doing these um, Buffy rewatches, I joined in on, on season two, and I was younger than the Buffy characters are at the finale of this show and now it's been six years and I'm looking at them and I'm like, oh my God, they're so young. Uh And it's, (laughs) time is a funny thing. (laughs) Just you wait. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Maddie Cox, thank you for being here. Thanks for choosing every one of us to be here. Oh, you are the chosen. You were a potential panelist. You were the potential panelist and then you were activated. It's hard um, to even move around with all these chosen in here. I know, right? <laughs> and Steve, thank you for going on this journey for the first time. That's really awesome. I'm glad you did it. I'm glad I did it too, Jason. Although after all this talking, I find myself parched. Can't I have a cool, refreshing Zima? <laughs> <laughs> that was the style at the time. Sure. Uh, and thanks everybody out there for listening to this episode of The Incomparable and going on this Buffy journey with me. I would say we will see you next time, but instead just imagine me standing on the edge of a cliff, smiling. 